0: Hello everyone and welcome to Debating Metal. I'm your host Kenneth Dean, the Dean of Metal, and along with my co-host Chris K, we discuss and dissect our favorite music, heavy metal. So sit back, relax, pop open a cold one, and let the debate begin. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Debating Metal. I am Kenneth Dean, the Dean of Metal. Each week, my co-host, Chris Kay, and I discuss and dissect the songs, albums, and bands in heavy metal and hard rock that we are passionate about. And this week, it's episode 26, Accept, Udo vs. Mark.
1: This week, I chose Udo, and Kenneth is going with Mark. We're going to battle it out to see which era of Accept was better, and along with our ongoing debates... Each week, we offer up some rusty metal and freshly forged picks that you should definitely be listening to. We also pick the best of the best with our Big Four, where we pick our favorite songs, albums, etc. This week, we're picking our Big Four Accept songs. Last episode, we picked our Big Four Black Sabbath songs. So to check out our list, go to Instagram and leave a comment about your Big Four Black Sabbath songs.
0: But before we begin, let's do a quick recap on last week's episode, Black Sabbath, Ozzy vs. Ronnie. We offered up our opinions on both singers and their respective time in the band and debated why I, although I like Ozzy, I prefer Ronnie's era, while Chris doubled down on his preference for the Ozzy era. So if you missed last week's episode or any of the other ones, download and listen to us on any of the major podcast platforms like iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, Stitcher, etc. And don't forget to rate us or leave a review.
1: We also want to read your opinions on these and any of our topics. So send us an email to debatingmetal at gmail.com or you can DM us on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. If you like our opinions or just want to rip us a new one, leave us a message and let's talk about it. So Kenneth, what's your Rusty Metal pick for this week?
0: Okay, this week I have a very interesting Rusty Metal pick. It actually goes with our topic... Udo versus Mark It is Mark Tornillo's first band TT Quick And their first full-length release Medal of Honor Came out in 1986 on Megaforce Records I chose that album because One, I discovered it today For the first time Actually, I looked for it today For the first time in a long time And it's actually on Spotify So I actually got to listen to it For the first time in eons And it sounds dated And it sounds dated even for 1986. Um, When I listen to it, it definitely sounds like a demo to some degree. But what's really cool about it, even though it does sound like a demo, is the... the, It's almost... Not even the demo. It almost sounds like you walked into a club back in the 80s and this was the house band that was playing. And these are the songs that they were playing. And the songs are hit and miss... In, in, as far as value is concerned, there are some pretty good songs on there and there's some pretty weak songs on there. But everything is so 80s. And one of the things that I think that, that kind of ended up being the, the, the reason why the band didn't really go too far is that they were a cross between the burgeoning 80s glam metal scene. You know, sort of like the L.A. scene that was, the, you know, with Motley Crue, Rat, and Poison. And then there was that straightforward style that was similar to Armored Saint. And they were a cross between both of them, and I think that's really kind of what did them in at the end because they didn't really choose which side they wanted to be on. They ended up disbanding, and they would uh, reunite and disband several times over the years uh, and release a couple more albums, um, pretty much to no fanfare, but they, they were able to uh, still have a core base of fans in, in the New York City, New, New Jersey area. So this album was reissued in 2009 and made available for the first time on CD. In the United States at that time And Megaforce was the one that reissued it So it's pretty cool that it's back out there Uh, Mark's first band, I think a lot of it Had to do with the fact that he joined Except again, because it came out the same Year he joined So there was a lot to that It's pretty cool, cool. check it out, listen to it I mean, if, if you're an old time An old school person like me You're going to enjoy it because it's going to bring you right back to that time when you were, you know, 18 to 25, just going to clubs and listening to these bands that would play in in these clubs. And they were definitely one of them.
1: I remember hearing and I'm not too familiar with them. I remember um, hearing about them around the time that he joined the band. Um I think that was on that metal show But I remember, and correct me if I'm wrong AJ Piro was in that band
0: Briefly uh, he was briefly. He was yeah. there for two years after he had left um, Actually Twisted it was Sister. after he left Cities, no he, he left Twisted Sister and joined a band called Cities And then I guess after Cities Kind of went away um, he, he joined um, TT Quick for a bit TT Quick, I mean they, they, they were really obviously Popular in the New York City area and they, uh, they, they didn't go anywhere, but I always knew of them because that's where I grew up. So the the local magazines or the local clubs that I would walk by or drive by always had a, a TT Quick sign or you know TT Quick playing this month or that month. So I knew about them, but and I knew that they had released this album in 1986, but I never really got around to buying it. And I never really got around to to becoming a fan of theirs because I wasn't a club guy. I left before I was allowed to be able to go to clubs. Only went to one club one time, and that was probably I think the month I left in June of of two thousand of excuse me June of nineteen eighty seven. So I had just turned eighteen a few months earlier. So and then I moved. There you have that.
1: <laughs> That's pretty interesting. Um, mm-hmm. It always is nice to kind of go back in time. It's kind of like opening a time capsule when you find an album that you couldn't find before cuz i remember years back like when i first got into iTunes around the time like the i think it was like the second iPod came out mm-hmm. uh it was hit or miss whether you could find something right you know if it if it was out of date it was it was like or not out of date but out of print um sometimes it was amazing when you could find something and it's not always the best music, or not always like the the best recorded music, but you could find some real gems. And that's that's actually what's funny is that's actually how I got a hold of some of Accept's early albums because I had a lot of trouble finding the CDs. So I was able to get some of their music back then through iTunes. So it's it's an interesting era that we live in where a lot of this stuff that used to be out of print and be hard to find has become so much more accessible and then from time to time like like today we were talking about I couldn't find the first three accept albums on Google Play right. so you know luckily I have them now like I've have I have old copies so I, uh, I could still listen to that stuff
0: yeah I mean that, that was a cool thing when I was working at the record store for, for what it was worth at the time when bands would release albums or or reissue older albums it was so cool to be able to have access to that you know because a lot of times these bands would release them to no fanfare no advertising or anything and then you know i'm going through the cds and and getting ready to put them away and also i'm like hey wow cool this is accepts breaker album or it's the the double cd that had breaker and um, the first album, except all in one package. I mean, that was real cool, remastered or you know whatever they did to it, and things like that would pop up. And yeah, like you said, later on, things like iTunes would have those albums or or some of the things that were more obscure. The other thing too was the advent of Torrent and you know the LimeWire and all that stuff and and, and uh, Napster. People would post these one. One or two songs, and, and then as torrents came became more popular, they would release albums. They would rip the albums onto an MP3 and post them. I mean, that's how I got Overkill's first album. Not to say that that I didn't pay for it in the end, because I end up searching and found one in vinyl and, and bought it. You know, so those those are the types of things I'm like, yeah, cool. You know, I didn't have this before, but now I do. You know, I, I wanted the immediate the immediate enjoyment of having it readily available and then taking my time to search for it and find the right one that I wanted so things like that you know ended up being real cool
1: yeah don't let our, Lars hear you say that
0: I never did it with Metallica shit Metallica's made more money off of me <laughs> <laughs> I mean I've got what we what we talk about we, I have four four versions of Kill 'Em All I got yeah. like three CDs no I got three versions of, of Kill Em All on CD I've got three versions on vinyl and I've paid for all of them,
1: <laughs> you know. So
0: <laughs> he can't complain. I've got all four box sets so far. <laughs> what do you have for freshly forged? <laughs>
1: um, all right. So as far as my my pick for uh, freshly forged, so this week I had a little bit more trouble with. I've been trying to pick something that's brand new, you know, right off the presses, and I I listened to just about everything. This week, I mean, I and I say just about, I, I at least sampled a few tracks from every release from this week. And I gotta say, nothing really jumped out at me. So I went back a little bit in the year and I found uh, I, f- I had completely forgotten about this because it happened around the time that uh, I guess we, we started worrying about the pandemic this year. And that was a uh, comedian, Brian Posehn, Released an album called Grandpa Metal.
0: Wow, I just heard about that like during this week. Oh, really? Yes, because Brian Posehn's on the podcast.
1: (laughs) I gotcha. I I got the album earlier this year, and it just completely slipped my mind. The thing is, I really did enjoy it when I first listened to it, and he got a lot of cool guest stars uh, to appear on the album. I mean, he worked with Scotty in. Joe uh, Troman and Brendan Small, all these guys, great musicians. Uh, I mean obviously Scott Ian from anthrax, Fallout Boy, uh, Joe Tremaine or Tr- Troman, sorry. And uh, Brendan Small has been one of my heroes since I was quite a bit younger. I mean he did a, he did a TV show called Home Movies years ago, and then he did a metal TV show, like a, a cartoon called Death Clock. And if you're not familiar with it, go back find Death Clock. There are so many guest stars on there. It is, it is a love letter to death metal, metal in general, and it's just a lot of fun, hilarious show. And I'd love to talk more about it in the future, maybe do like a little segment on it. Sure. But basically it's a, it's a comedy metal album, but it has some actually really cool riffs um, he had Corey Taylor appear on the album, Michael Starr from, uh, from Steel Panther, Johan Hegg from Amana Marth, Gary Holt uh, from Exodus and Slayer. He had Weird Al Yankovic appear on one of the songs, Chuck Billy, Steve Souza from uh, Exodus, and it's one of the last, if not the last, performance from Jill Janice, who was uh, the singer from Huntress before she committed suicide. So it's it's pretty entertaining to hear all these people together supporting a guy that just loves metal. They did a cover of Take On Me from AHA <laughs> that is awesome. Really? The arrangement was done by Brendan Small and he really meddles up the track. So, I mean, it's, that's probably the, the, the most famous track on there, but they did <laughs> that song. What does the Fox say?
0: Oh, really a metal
1: version of it. Oh, boy. Yeah. I got to yeah, check it so, out. Yeah. It's not all covers. It's, I mean, it's a lot of original stuff too, and it's, it's funny. It's heavy and it's just something worth checking out. So not brand new, but from this year or so, I still feel like it fits
0: the uh, the freshly forged pig. Especially with not a lot of things coming out on a timely basis. So Yeah. I got to say, Brian is like, of, of all the people that you can sit there and say, we're not worthy to, I say he is the one that stands above them all. And the reason why is because he is just like you and me, just like the guy next door who just so happened to be able to break through and befriend everybody in the metal business. It it Mm -hmm. was, it's amazing. His story is amazing. His, his whole, you know, his whole persona is just, he's just a normal guy who happens to have all these people as friends now. And that's, that's (laughs) the super cool thing about Brian, you know, because if, if you're walking down the street, like say for instance, he was walking down the street in Houston, downtown, there'd probably be nobody except maybe, one or two people who may recognize him and say, I, I think I've seen that guy before because he looks just like everybody else. He looks like us. He looks like a normal person. He doesn't dress like a rock star, you, you know, because you can always tell who the, the rock stars or the people who associated with rock stars are because they have some, a certain way of dressing. They, they dress different. He dresses like you and me, an everyday person. And I, I think that's the coolest thing about Ryan.
1: So I remember him from uh, "Just Shoot Me." He was also on news radio. He always had these bit parts on on uh, sitcoms, and I just I always liked him. And it was funny to find out later on that he was he was a metalhead, and he was you know he was part of that community that we all love. So definitely support this guy if you love comedy. If you love metal, check out the album.
0: Excellent. I like Brian a lot. Uh, He's just so normal. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It's on to our main topic. And this week we're talking about Accept Udo versus Mark. And Chris, you picked Udo. I picked Mark. Um, So since Udo came first, you can talk about Udo. And basically, why why don't we do this? Why don't we talk about how we got into Accept to begin with? All and, right, and then we can and then we can uh, elaborate more on on why we pick one over the other.
1: All right, so a lot like other bands that I've mentioned before, um, I remember watching VH1 Classic, and even before that, MTV watching music videos and i remember the music video for balls to the wall coming on and i just thought it was hilarious <laughs> you know i just i i was a, i was pretty young and i thought it was so cool and it kind of escaped me after a while i think i think i kind of associated it with like acdc big balls and you know just it, i remembered the song but if you you know now if you hear a song you can easily like you know look it up online something like that but back then if you heard it and you didn't write it down or, or something it, it, the time passed and you you couldn't keep track of it well years later Fozzie's second album came out and that was uh that was a mostly cover album and they had a cover of balls to the wall on there
0: i like that version by the way
1: it is it's a great version and it it was like oh my god i haven't heard this song in so long i remember it I got to find it. So I went and after I had the Fozzie album, I went to my local store that I used to go to and uh, I found the, the album balls to the wall, which had the worst album cover that I remember owning as a, as a young man. And uh, I found a couple of the other albums. So I picked those up as well. And um, I just, On a whim I think they weren't Very expensive And that's probably why Because I was still In high school And I didn't have A lot of money But uh, I just Kind of jammed Them all out Listened Found my favorite tracks And kind of made Like a A greatest hit Kind of thing I had a lot of trouble Finding those first few albums Like except I'm a rebel Breaker So for the most part I just had that Kind of middle section Where it was like Restless and wild Balls to the wall Metal heart And I think the other one That I had was Death Row
0: Oh wow! Okay,
1: yeah. So a little little jump there.
0: Yeah, th- I mean those early albums were hard to get because they were mostly only available in Germany. it, it wasn't until uh, "Fast as a Shark" or "Restless and Wild," excuse me. It wasn't until "Restless and Wild" that they were commercially available. Those were on Sony, uh, mm-hmm. and, and so, so in, they were they were internationally available. But the other ones were not, and so they were more like imports. And when they did become available in the United States, they were. Poorly pressed. They sounded like crap. Uh, like I told you earlier today, I, the one of the albums that I got, uh, I believe it's um, I believe it's Breaker. That version that I have is horrible. They 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 edited the song "Son of a Bitch" to where you none of the words that were none of the foul language that's on the song was discernible. So it was mm-hmm. it, It's funny because I'm like I, I used to actually sing the the undiscernible parts. As undiscernible words, <laughs> you know. Then I, I, was like, "Oh man, you know." They really. Ed- I didn't even say edited. They just because I knew that song was named "Son of a Bitch," but I didn't realize that it had been edited because it sounds so normal. And my friend's like, "Dude, what's wrong with your with, with that your version of that song?" I'm like, "That's the way it is." I thought that's the way the song was. And he goes, "No, man. They they you know they say this," and, and I'm like, "Oh." okay well you know and i went on a search to try and find it and it wasn't until cds much later on and i had already moved to florida that i ended up finding that song oh wow so yeah it's 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 a really weird thing so my introduction to accept came around i will i want to say it was around when the balls to the wall video came out liked that song a lot um ended up picking up the album and uh Went backwards, you know, because obviously there was nothing ahead of that. So, I, you know, I found a friend of mine turned me on to Restless and Wild, and I thought that album was killer. And much like I can't get past the first three songs on certain albums, I didn't get past the first two because Restless and Wild and and Fast as a Shark are just two amazing songs. And so I just kept playing them over and over again. Even though I recorded the whole album onto a cassette, you know, when I put it in my car or when I put it in my boombox, but I would stop after after restless and rewind it (laughs) 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 but you know they they were pretty cool i mean listening to that double bass on fast as a shark when it came out you know i obviously i caught it on a couple years later but man that was like so such a cool song i mean being considered one of the first and early speed metal type songs it was it was pretty cool they never really were huge in the united states So, I never got a chance to to see them. Actually, I almost had a chance to see them because I was almost given tickets to go see Kiss at uh, Radio City. I don't know if it was Radio City or a smaller venue, something like that, in New York City. I think it was Radio City uh, during the, um, I want to say it was the Animalized Tour. I don't know if they canceled or if the guy couldn't reach me to get me the tickets. I can't remember, but Accept was supposed to be the opening act, so I in, ended up never going to see it. So, um, and they were supposed to come here this year, I think, or last year, and I, I didn't get a chance to see them. So, any time that they come, I really want to try and go see them because it's they're 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 not going to be around forever. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I would say that that. Uh, you know they still got
0: some good years in them. <laughs> oh yeah, but you know, being They're a German band, no it's, it's just hard for them to tour in the United States. They're not big here in the U.S. They're much bigger in Europe, and so yeah. they have they they do more touring in Europe where it's more lucrative for them. But to come to the states, you know, they got to come on some sort of package. I mean, I believe the the package that that we're gonna do here, and I think they did it was Ace Freely was playing, uh, was headlining. Um, Carbock, the Carbock Festival that Carbock Brewery puts on in, in Houston and Accept was one of the bands and I I didn't go. I w- really wanted to go and I just didn't and Ace Freely was there too and I was like, man, I should have went.
1: That was, Wasn't that early in the pandemic?
0: I, I don't know if it was early in the pandemic or if it was late last year. I can't remember but it may have been pandemic and it may have been canceled. I don't remember. I'll have to look that up.
1: Alright, so Except, obviously, they started with uh, around You know, late 70s, they started with their first album, uh, Except uh, That wasn't a huge hit anywhere, to be honest. The first couple albums were, were pretty rough, as far as recording quality goes, and as far as the attention that they were getting uh, They did uh, a track called Lady Lou which was probably their biggest hit on the first album um you know to be honest not much to write home about it's those are those are unless you're a huge fan of the band those are kind of hard albums to really get into because the recording quality is so bad um, yeah uh
0: i mean i liked i liked I'm a rebel off of the,
1: I'm a rebels a good track you know but the
0: rest um, of the album yeah <laughs> You know, and again,
1: it's a, it's the same thing. I think when you get to Breaker, Breaker's the third album. Right. There are some really good tracks. The problem, of, once again, though, is the recording quality is really bad. I love the song Breaker itself. Son of a Bitch, you mentioned earlier. Um, Burning is a good song. So there there are really good tracks on there. And yeah. oh, Starlight as well, which is the first yeah, track that, on that's the a,
0: album. That's a very good album. Cause you, like you said, Starlight, Breaker, Run If You Can, Son of a Bitch, uh, Burning mm-hmm. Midnight Highway. I mean, it's a really good album. I mean, that's what—that's five songs we just mentioned right there. That's half an album. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, yeah, a, that's a pretty good album.
1: It's just—it's a—it's really unfortunate that the recording quality is so bad because there are great tracks. However, if you if you listen to some of their live albums, they do have re-recordings of those tracks and they sound much better.
0: It, it's an early—it's an early career album, you know, much like you know like much like Kiss's early career their albums sound like shit some of these bands in in the 70s didn't have very good sounding albums now this is not 70s this is 80s but you're talking 80s uh in in Europe so it's there's not a lot of great quality coming out of there if you're not getting a lot of money behind it mm-hmm. so so for what it's worth it's not bad breaker but then they get some money thrown at them with restless and wild
1: Oh yeah, "Restless and Wild" is great. Uh, from you know, it it has some lulls in the middle, uh, but "Fast as a Shark" is still one of their biggest songs. Uh, "Restless and Wild" itself is a great song. I love the final track, "Princess of the Dawn." so there's some good stuff in there and it's probably up until this point it and i say probably it is their most commercially successful album it's the first kind of breakthrough for the band and it gets their 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 uh, name out there in the world so then they get to balls to the wall and that's to that point i mean that's their their biggest hit and part of that is due to there's a controversy over the the cover of the album which and some of the content of the lyrics kind of appealing to uh, the
0: homosexual community
1: which for them it was always just about being controversial
0: you know yeah, getting just going to get there. your name out there just being controversial Yeah. You, know, you do anything and and all of a sudden hey you know there there's uh they're talking about you mhm
1: and so and, and also, you know, in that part of the world, they don't have as many hang-ups about things like that. Right. So they were kind of groundbreaking in a way, you know, not being afraid of that that culture. So hats off to them for, for being a little bit more open than the rest of the world in a way. Well, it, because
0: um, it's not it's not a foreign thought to them. It's it's yeah. normal. It's normal to a lot of Europe. Over here in Christian conservative America That's where you know things Kind of go sideways
1: Well this also uh, these two albums Are kind of The forebearers you can see Things happening that are leading To what would become speed Metal and you can see That even more apparently with Metal Heart which is the, the following Album before I move on to Metal Heart I, I gotta mention so Balls to the Wall was was A huge hit for the band. Um, Maybe not in the perspective of, you know, comparison to a lot of other bands, but this was, this was a breakthrough where now you look back and you have guys like Dimebag Daryl, Doro, you know, I say guys, but you know, musicians. Um, You have a lot of, a lot of musicians that cite this as a huge influence to them. And you have tracks that are being Covered by modern bands You have um, songs that Have persisted through time And this was rated Very highly among critics uh, For for a metal album At the time period So on to Metal Heart You actually have Kind of the origins of what what Is becoming speed metal And that's through the drum work And through the guitar riffs So it's You have something kind of evolving here and the band is unfortunately they never reached the heights of the influence that they had on other musicians
0: so it's another yeah.
1: one of those cases of they they're the inspiration for a lot of the really big bands
0: yeah especially the european bands
1: yeah i, I mean I, they,
0: they had influence in america but it was so limited you know and like for instance, I obviously got to hear them early on and became a big fan, you know, right away. But the the guys in Middle America didn't catch on, you know, and that's part of the reason why they didn't they didn't make it as big. Balls to the wall kind of helped that, you know, and then allowed them to make Metal Heart and and more music afterward. One thing I wanted to say about Balls to the Wall that you had mentioned, kind of being an influence the one thing that, that balls to the wall brought to the table was it was the beginning, the first album that really had that guitar sound that is so prevalent for except that, that, the the signature sound of except mm-hmm. it was yep. established on balls to the wall. They still have that sound today, which is pretty awesome. That guitar sound that Wolf Hoffman gets, it's hard to describe it. You know, it's, it's not like razor sharp. Um, There's, there's a, there's a, a distortion sound that they have that's so unique and you, as soon as you hear it you're like that's accept you know and I really really like that sound and that was the first album to do it Metal Heart honed it a little bit kind of made it a little bit uh, uh smooth but it was still there but they've they've since established that as the main sound that they have
1: yeah and, and you can hear other bands have a little bit of that sound as well like they've used them as an influence and it's something that's kind of synonymous to me like when you hear it with with the speed metal and thrash metal communities like it just it's they were the forebears of that genre of music much like we were talking about with black sabbath being kind of the forebears of metal there were there's always these bands that have that you know they're not necessarily part of that that scene but they were the influence that, that created the this, this sound that would be something that would carry into another genre.
0: Yeah, they, they especially when they, when they did um, Fast as a Shark, that whole double bass thing, that just became something that was like a normal part of everyday songs, and that was because of that song. You know, like Overkill, um, the Motorhead song Overkill, had that, wasn't quite as quick, but, and it had that same style of drum beat, you know, that double bass constant throughout the song, but Fast as a Shark was that much faster, and that's what influenced those pe- the, the, that genre when people picked up on that.
1: Yeah, so the band continued, I mean, they, they, they released Russian Roulette, which was the last album they had before Udo initially left the band. So we talked about, on a previous episode, we talked about Eat the Heat, um, well... Russian roulette was the kind of the breaking point before the band split up. So it's, it's got its good songs like TV war. I, to me, I find kind of cheesy. I find the whole album to be kind of cheesy. I still enjoy it. And so this to me was, there there was a point where except, except was always a little cheesy, but like kind of in the same way that iron maidens cheesy, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. like they, they're still enjoyable, but like they have they have themes that are kind of over the top in their music. And that's that's definitely not a bad thing. It's it's enjoyable, kind of like watching a popcorn flick. This album to me was kind of a little bit too much. And obviously there weren't there were things that just weren't working that caused them to split up. So it's definitely not as strong as the previous two albums. And I think this is kind of where their, their history kind of changes because Udo does return to the band for the live album Staying Alive, which I don't really understand that title. Yeah, <laughs> Not Staying Alive, Staying A Life, which I love that live album. It's, uh, it was one of the ones that I always put in, in my CD player in my car because it's, it's a lot of re-recordings of older songs and it's the chance to get to listen to them at, at much higher quality because it's got Breaker on there, it's got Burning, Neon Nights, Princess of the Dawn, all of those are really good quality. Son of a Bitch is on there, so it's it's a chance to listen to some of those tracks from the first three albums that didn't sound so good the first time around, but they, they really do on this production. So then they released... A few more albums, objection overruled. I feel kind of the same way about that one as I did with uh, with Russian Roulette, where it's it's cool and and it's got a little bit stronger concept wise. You know, they, they're a little more serious with this album, so it's not it's not as cheesy. But I just feel the same way in that it's got a few strong songs like All or Nothing, uh, Slaves to Metal. I like that one.
0: Objection but, overruled is a good song.
1: Oh, yeah in, pretty much any except album you can say the first track is gonna be pretty killer <laughs> yeah, you know they they have a really good way about them you know, first tracks kind of have to hit you have to grab your attention and they have they pretty much in every album you can count the first album, I'm sorry, the first track is being one of those very strong attacks that gets your attention, yes. Uh so Death Row, I remember buying this album and just being really bored with it. Disappointed. Um, <laughs> it has some cool tracks, like I like the uh the instrumental towards the end, um uh drifting apart. And there's Death Row, the first track, is pretty entertaining. But it just again, it's I feel like it's it's reaching that point uh between then and Predator that they're not going to continue with with the the current lineup and so you're reaching kind of the end of of the Udo era and unfortunately it's that middle point those those three albums in the middle that are really the strongest they're also the most memorable tracks that I would say most people would know even non except fans just casual listeners
0: you're talking about the three the three early albums the the, the first ones right you're talking about N- or not the very first three albums no no, no the, you're, you're talking about like a, a restless balls to the walls of walls metal
1: heart yes right. those three is kind of like the pinnacle of where their career was they never quite got back to there once they separated and then uh rejoined with udo it was it was time to end it with predator
0: well i so. think i think the big thing that happened with that predator album and, and just that whole time period that the the that middle 90s was that udo still had his udo band his mm-hmm. solo band so there was that
1: attention was divided. Yeah,
0: and and you know, so you know, do I make Udo my priority or do I make Accept my priority? And I think he chose Udo and he later on said, "I choose Udo to be my priority." And that's why he officially left and ended the relationship with with Accept. And you could tell on those albums that his attention wasn't there. I mean, he obviously he sang on the album and stuff like that, but the the bottom line came is that he didn't really put his best foot forward as far as helping craft the best songs possible Mm -hmm. and so it it did definitely affect the overall quality of songs on death row and predator granted i respect the man for for saying i'd prefer to do udo a lot of it had to do with the fact that he kept full control i mean it was his band his name his you know his he was in charge so they break up in 1996 after the Predator thing, and they basically disbanded. They're done. Never to be heard from again until 2009. In 2009, uh, basically, Wolf and a couple guys were, I think it was Wolf and Peter were in New York City, and they decided, I think it was a friend of theirs said, hey man, why don't you check this guy out singing and see if you you want to jam with him. They called him up, they brought him over, they jammed a little bit, he was a big fan, and all of a sudden they realized that this was a really good fit. That person happened to be Mark Tornillo. And I don't know if it's exactly said Tornillo or Tornillo, but... Since I've I, heard
1: Mark Tornillo. I mean, when he was on that metal show, that's how they said
0: it. See, I, I, I could have sworn they said Tornillo, but yeah, I, I've always, because I'm Latin and the two L's in Spanish say, you know, they, they're like a Y. I say tornillo. which also in, um, in Spanish means screw. So, as in a physical screw uh, that you screw into a wall. <coughs> <laughs> 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 Not that other kind. He, he, so, he joins a band. And, and basically, the way I see it is if you're going to start up a band 14 years after you've put it to bed it better be damn good and there better be a good reason why you're doing this. And the album that they released in 2010 pretty much said, yes, we're back. We're accepting. We're pretty damn good because that album, blood of the nations is quite possibly one of their best. I'm not going to say it's their best. It's up there. And to me, if you're, if you're looking at those three albums that you talked about with Udo, you know, breaker Rest, uh, Restless and wild, or no, not even break it Restless and wild, Balls to the Wall, and Metal Heart. This is is equal to those albums. It, it's it stands te- that it stands up there with those albums.
1: I think so too. I mean, as far as quality of the album, like the recording quality, it's way better than anything they did with Udo because you know modern recording techniques are just much better. Um, it doesn't it doesn't take having some major studio a lot of people even record from their homes and sounds fantastic so there there is a a quality there but there's also there's it's a heavy album
0: oh it's got Uh, it's it's, got great songs on there
1: it's uh, yeah from the beginning to end that that's a really good album
0: yeah i mean you you, it starts off with beat the bastards which like you said first song in the album every one of their albums the first song establishes what they want to do on the album, Teutonic Terror comes out next. I mean, it's a slower song, but it's it's one of those crushing, plotting songs that just you know smack you in the head. And, and they talk about who they are, Teutonic Terrorists. You know, they're they're German and they're really good guitar players and really good songwriters. Blood of the Nations, the, the title track, one of my favorite songs out there. I mean, it's great and it is what you call classic. Except and i and i have to hand it to the producer Andy Sneap. Now, he has become i would say the modern day and don't and, and guys listening out there, guys and girls listening out there, don't take this the wrong way cuz so, this is a very polarizing name, but to me he's like the Bob Rock of of producers now. Bob Rock could come up with a really good sound. Obviously, Motley Crue's Doctor Feelgood album has a Bob Rock album. Metallica's Black album, Bob Rock album, Bon Jovi, Slippery When Wet. I think it was Bruce Fairburn produced it, but Bob Rock was the engineer. So really good sounding albums. Andy Sneap is that today. He's the modern version of that. He makes really good albums. He's done all of Testament's reunion albums, basically everything from uh, The Formation of Damnation forward. Uh, he does. He's done the last two Judas Priest records. Uh, he did um, the last Stained record. He's done all the Accept records since they reunited. And so he's he's a really good producer. He's got a really good ear. He's a guitar player, so he knows how to get that sound. But one thing what he did to, for, for Accept on this album was he said, hey, I want you to listen to something. And he played them their old albums. He played them Balls to the Wall. He played them Metal Heart. He played them... Restless and wild, he says, "This is Accept. This is what you guys need to sound like. You don't need to sound like anything else. This is what you need to sound." Like. And so that's what he did. And to me, that comes across better on the song "Blood," no better than "Blood of the Nations." I mean, it is the epitome of what Accept is supposed to sound like. You know, background vocals with with the with that whole. I don't. To me, it just I. Uh, I associate the the, the way they do their background vocals as being a German band. I don't know what it is, but when you hear that, you say, that's a German band, (laughs) you know, and I love that sound. You know, the guitar tone, he got exactly the same tone that Balls to the Wall has. You know, drum sound, he's good at getting a good drum sound, although I'm not very pleased with how Firepower came out, but that's a different story. (laughs) No, go on, sorry
1: kinda of forgot what I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah,
0: you know, he's he's a very good, good producer and I, I like what he does. You know, and now he's actually the temporary guitarist in Judas Priest. So there you go with that. But after the Blood after Blood of the Nations, I mean they, they obviously you, you come out with one good album, you gotta you gotta continue it. So they they reestablish themselves and then after Blood of the Nations they came out with their next album which would, would be Stalingrad. And that solidified what had happened in Blood of the Nations. It said, you know what, this band is back. They write good songs. They sound really good. And they, they have maintained their career for the last 10 years. Unfortunately, you know, current worldwide circumstances have put a halt to pretty much everybody's musical career. They've released four albums since the reunion four very good quality albums uh, along with two live albums. Uh, and the set, The second live album was actually a symphony album, which was pretty cool. I listened to that the other day. And that, it's it's typical of the bands that do symphony albums. There are very few bands that can actually do a symphony album where it doesn't sound like the symphony is copying what they're playing. I think this comes across that way a little bit. There's a, there's a difference. There's The symphony en- enhances the song. And then the symphony just makes it sound like you're playing a song, with with string and wood woodwind instruments. And um, like I would say, Kiss, their symphony album is more playing along with the, the actual music. Alter Bridge, Metallica, and and except they had symphonies that enhanced their music as opposed to just copying it.
1: So, yeah, they were arranged to to complement what was being played. Exactly.
0: So I really like the Mark Tornillo era. The, the the four albums. I mean, they've they've got you know they've they fallen into their into their groove, and so very similar to how some of the older Accept albums had. They only had about three songs that were really good. The rest of the album was just a typical Accept sound. Nothing wrong with that, you know. Especially in today's day, where you know you want you want to hear that one good song or two good songs, and and, and you're happy with it. The you know people are not buying albums as much as they used to, so you want one or two good songs. The you you get that from except, unlike Blood of the Nations though that their reunion album I mean, that album was good front to back you know with, with the exception of one or two songs. So I I thoroughly enjoy what I hear nowadays from except,
1: and I do too. I mean I uh, like I said before that first first album that they released Blood of the Nations is just. Great from beginning to end. i I think t- like personally i I feel like Stalingrad even a bit heavier. Um, it's got some really good tracks on there, including one of my favorites from that era of the band, which is hung, drawn, and quartered. I mean that's that is an awesome song, yeah, it is um the next two albums that they released i like but i don't like as much and maybe it's just because i haven't given them as many listens you know today i i sat and listened to both of them like just really listened to them for the probably the first time in a in a couple years on the on the, the third album and the first time since i think it was only the second time i listened to the fourth album so um I uh yeah, I didn't like those quite as much. There was nothing that really stuck out to me as much as those those first two albums with Mark. But that's not to say they were bad albums. I just I have to give them more listens, so I can't I can't necessarily fe- say that I have like a full assessment.
0: Right. Well, the one thing that I got to say um when when the band reunited, there were three members of the band that were from the original except. So there was Wolf Hoffman, of course, Herman Frank, and Peter, Peter Baltus. Baltus. So so you came back very similar to Guns N' Roses, three members of the original five. Really cool. Um, new singer, sounds similar to the old singer. But when, uh, I believe it was when um, Blind Rage came out, the band changed. Herman Frank left, uh, and also... Uh, The drummer changed, but that's not a big deal because it it wasn't an original member. But the biggest thing was right after Rise of Chaos came out, Peter Baltus left. And that was surprising because Peter and Wolf have been together since the 70s. And so I don't know what happened with that dynamic there. Um, Very interesting that Peter would leave. And ironically enough, just recently... I don't know if it was before the pandemic hit or after the pandemic hit and, you know, people started doing things on the side. Peter Baltus has reconnected with Udo. So now Udo has three members in the band from the original, except which would be Udo, Stephen Kaufman or Stefan Kaufman, the drummer who has turned into a guitar player for Udo and now Peter Baltus. So interesting dynamic that there are now three members of except in Udo and basically only one member left in except. So that's that's an interesting kind of turn of events that's that's happened in the last year or so.
1: I always find it funny how these bands will kind of interweave, you know, even though obviously there's there's the the connection being that Udo was the the singer, but you know his band udo um obviously has has a very strong connection and and over the years they were they were friends like he would go to concerts you know even did a cover of xtc after he left the band so there's there's always been this kind of strange dynamic between all of them but now it almost and i I don't want to read anything into it, but from what I understand, there's a, there's a little bit of heat between them now.
0: Between and maybe that, Maybe
1: that has to do with, yeah, Peter leaving the band.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's very interesting as to what happened with Peter because I, I heard, I mean, I remember when he left and I, I read the retirement statement. I mean, he was just, it's time to move on type of thing. It's just really weird that after all this time, you would leave pretty much what you would what i would consider your best friend and and he was silent for a while because it was it was in 2018 that he left and then it Mm -hmm. would be in 2020 that he reconnected with with udo so it's not like he left except to join udo um that wasn't the case at all but it's just curious that he's now with udo to do whatever they're going to do now so, mm-hmm. it, and it may be just a one-time thing. It may just be a one-off or whatever, but who knows? It's just curious because, you know, obviously Stefan being, you know, one of the original songwriters and, and, and players on, on the early Accept albums, it's now that that early songwriting dynamic is, is together again, just minus Wolf Hoffman.
1: Yeah. So one thing that sticks out to me about both of these singers is the pretty dynamic range one thing that really sticks out to me about Udo versus Mark is that Udo sings in such a high register. But they both have kind of a similar style of singing for the most part. It really sets them apart in a way as as like the old era and the modern era. Mark has like a deeper tone. So he he everything feels a little heavier on his end whereas Udo still has like that 80s kind of feel to it even even when they were recording in the 90s. So there's a very distinct difference between the two eras of the band.
0: Yeah, I agree as as different as they are and it's it's more about pitch and it's more about range because like you said Udo sings in a higher register but it's not dramatically higher, like you're. You know, you're not going from, you know, bass to, to soprano or something like that. But it, it's it's enough of a of a distinguishable difference. But yet, they both have that gravel voice that mm-hmm. or gravelly voice that you you could almost sit there and say that Mark is the perfect example of what. Except it would sound like twenty years later, and guess what? It's twenty years later. <laughs> you know that that type of thing. Although oddly enough, Udo's voice still kind of maintains that higher register today. So it's 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 you know how some bands that when they get older, the vo- the voice of the singer gets a little deeper. You know, very similar to like Anthrax and Joey, how he sings a little bit in yeah, a deeper yeah. tone. I don't think. Joey can hit that high range on a regular basis you know Paul Stanley can't. nobody hit-
1: stays within his lane right which is, exactly which, which is what is so admirable he's like he's not trying to push himself to go outside of it and being unsuccessful like Joey has adapted to the, the change in his his voice with age and the same with Udo Udo recognizes his limits and utilizes that rather than you know trying to push against it and Kind of coming off as, as straining
0: Right, exactly Now, so so to basically You know, kind of summarize this whole thing That we've been talking about for, for the last 40 minutes Or whatever it is Is that Udo, obviously established Accept as, as, a, as a mainstream heavy metal act Out of Germany And he was able to You know, help them cross over And come to the United States And, and, and establish themselves He had issues with the direction that that they went in 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 the in the late 80s and and i would say that's probably a a thing where the record company convinced wolf to say hey why don't you try this why don't you do this and wolf's like yeah sure let's go ahead and let's try it and you know udo didn't agree with it and they've had their differences and udo left and they brought in David Reese and they tried to become an American band and that's not who they were. And so they scrapped that idea and Udo came back and they tried it again. And Udo was paying more attention to, you know, his solo band. And so when they split up the legacy that they, that they left was quite a good one. And so when they picked it up again, they needed somebody who can respect that legacy and yet enhance it. And I think they, they, they found the perfect person with Mark. And and now those four albums are just awesome, you know, to as a collective, the new era of the band. Yeah, it, it's so, great.
1: So what, one kind of final hot take on both eras of the band. So I would say from my perspective, as far as what what I like to listen to, I would probably say I enjoy the modern version of the band a bit better the The option to listen to all those old tracks with Mark on vocals is really awesome, and he's he's willing to sing the old songs, which you know is is always a part of it. Like the ego, right. of musicians can get in the way.
0: He does a great Excuse job on the old ones. Excuse me.
1: Um, so, but yeah, he does. He does a great job on all of the material. But what makes the old version with Udo better to me as a whole? And more influential Would be that they Inspired So many bands that we love uh, So many of the the Modern era that followed them And That I mean they, they kind of Were the predecessors to speed and Thrash metal and They leave that footprint on On the music scene So to me like that That aspect of who They are is very important and, and will always kind of have a mark on the no no pun intended, um, (laughs) have a mark on the, the music scene.
0: Absolutely. All right. So with that said, that brings us to the big four, uh, for this week. And this week's big four is obviously the big four except songs. Um, so I went last week first. So this time it's your turn to go first, Chris.
1: Alright, so number four I mentioned this song earlier The reason I pick it and when I was a teenager and I was going back and playing old video games again because, you know, the things that you love stick with you over time I remember playing old games and yeah, I had heard the songs thousands and thousands and thousands of times. So oftentimes what I would do is I would make a mix CD and listen along. And so when I was going back and playing some of the old Legend of Zelda games, I would listen to – and as much as I love the music that actually is in the game um, – You can only listen to so much of it at a time sometimes, especially with those old (laughs) ones that they would repeat over and over and over and over again. So I would make these mix CDs that would kind of have the same vibe as what was in the game, and Princess of the Dawn is one of those songs that to me always kind of fit with that. It had like kind of a, you know, he mentions Wizard of Oz, he mentions all these kind kind of mythical stories, and it always fit to me with that kind of vibe, so I would. It was always on my mix CD, of of, of songs to listen to while I played games, and it, it, I've always been amused. And you mentioned this today when we were talking about it. That kind of abrupt ending, to the track.
0: Yeah, it's so weird.
1: <laughs> um, so that's my number four. Uh, number three, and I'm going with the version that was on "Staying Alive" because before that. I, when I heard the song, I liked the song, but the recording quality was not so great. And that was "Breaker." Breaker is an awesome track. It's very quick, very very fast, and is definitely one of those predecessors to the speed metal songs. And and it's just a it's just an awesome track. This version on "Staying Alive" is much better recorded, and I definitely recommend that version. Uh, number two is a Mark song and it's kind of worked its way up. Um, I do have it on my universal playlist, which is kind of what I call the one that I just I add a song to and it stays there forever and that's uh, hung, drawn and quartered. It's uh, ever since I heard that song, it's been it's been on my playlist. so it's it's a it's a really great track and it's an indicator that even in this modern era, in comparison to the classic songs, it's up there, and number one is uh, one of the ones that has always stuck with me. And it's funny; it's one of those tracks. Like I have these few songs that are always stuck in my head. Um, that when I'm doing something, they just kind of play. And that's Metal Heart. That one never leaves my mind. There, I, <laughs> I someday want to want to list out all those weird songs that just stick in my head. But Metal Heart is is one of those that. I don't think I can ever escape that song. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, and that, that's a great song. I mean, good album, great song. Uh, I like your list. I have one song from my list that is the same as yours. Okay. So you and I, I mean, obviously we listen to the same type of music for the most part. Last week was the first time that we didn't have a duplicate, I think, since early on. And, it, and that was because there was such a vast array of music from Black Sabbath.
1: Mm-hmm, <laughs> but, yeah.
0: So this week my number 4 song is Hung Drawn and Quartered. Like that song I love the I love the story behind it. It's such a it's such a cool story. I mean, it brings me back just the title it brings you back to the old, if you want to call it dark ages, you know, mm-hmm. those old times before technology took over. <laughs> and so that song just the, the story behind it is such a, a, a cool thing and and then to just, just the way the song is represented with the music—it, it, it all blends really well. So that's my number four. My number three, classic, except song "Balls to the Wall." Such a heavy riff. Just the the emotion that that um. Udo sings with in that song because he goes through all the highs and the lows and he, he, he whispers at you and he talks to you and then he just screams at you and then the whole band singing you know balls to the wall behind it it's it's very powerful number two Blood of the Nations very similar where it, it's it, there's the story to, to be told on that is so awesome you know and how you know we're all just basically Uh, blood brothers somehow some way and uniting all these nations together it's it's a really cool theme that song but my number one favorite except song my big four is fast as a shark it's something about that with the with the vinyl intro with the old Heidi hi-ho song and then it just getting scratched and Udo comes in screaming and the double bass comes in ripping and the, the guitars come in chugging and it just slaps you across the face. You know, you think it's going to be this, you know, this cute little folk song. And all of a sudden it's like, psh, psh. no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it hits you with a Shark. Awesome song. I love that song. I've, I've it's, it's in my eternal playlist as well. So that's the big four for this week.
1: All right. Well, with that, that's it for debating metal this week. Be sure to tune in next week to episode 27. Where we're going head to head. But this time, we're going album for album with Pantera. Vulgar display of power versus far beyond driven. We'll also have more rusty metal and freshly forged recommendations. I'm Chris Kay, and on behalf of Kenneth Dean, remember, always turn it up to 11.
0: See ya.